We are continuing our study on the topic of the authority that we have in our lives as Christians. Where do you get your authority? We are going to cover lessons concerning does our authority come from men or heaven. We looked last week at the biblical authority. This week, I want us to look at the thought of how does God give instruction? How does God give man today in 2023 instruction on how he wants things done. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, as was part of our reading this morning, the scripture says to study. Not only to study, but to show or present yourself, thyself, approved unto God. How do you and I show ourselves approved unto God? He goes on to say, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. He says, rightly dividing or handling a right the word of God. Paul writing to young Timothy here goes on to say in verse 16, he says, but shun profane and vain babblings for they will increase unto more ungodliness. You see, in our lives, we need a standard. And I want to present to you this morning the thought that the Bible is our standard. We have standards when it comes to keeping time. A clock is the standard for time. We have a standard that we use in measurement, a ruler, that we measure things to be able to, to know the length of something. We have a thermometer that is the standard for temperature. Whether you need to put on long sleeves and a coat or whether you can go out of your home into a pair of shorts and no sleeves or whatever the case may be. It's a standard. It gives us a set measurement to go by. Well, I asked this question this morning. What good is a standard if you don't know how to use it? You see, the scripture tells us this morning that we need to study to show ourselves approved. We need to study the word of God and handle it aright to understand the standard that God has laid down for you and for me in our lives concerning how we live morally 
and how we live spiritually and how you and I can make it to heaven one day. You see, in our daily lives, we have a standard for all that we do. God has also given us a standard to govern us in religion. And that standard is the gospel of Christ. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 12 and verse 48, a very familiar passage that we quote often here. In John 12 and 48, our Lord says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in that or in the last day. You see, the standard that we live by is the gospel of Christ. It is the Bible. And you can go on into the Bible in Acts chapter uh, 2 and verse 42. Notice what uh, is said there in that particular scripture. It says, and they continued steadfastly on the day of Pentecost and the apostles there in the apostles' doctrine or their teaching and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They continued steadfastly, what? In the doctrine, in the gospel of Christ, in the standard in which God has set for us, for them and even for us today. In... Our uh, class this morning in the book that we're studying right now, 2 John, 2 John chapter, uh, chapter, it only has one chapter, verse 9, says, Whosoever transgresseth or goeth onward and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He abideth in the doctrine, he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath the Father and the Son. So what is the standard? It's the doctrine of Christ, the gospel of Christ. That is our standard to govern us in religious matters and as well as moral matters as well. But how do we correctly understand and use the standard that God has given us? Remember, what good is a standard if we don't know how to use it? What good is a ruler... If we don't know how to understand, if we don't understand what each mark means, or that if one inch is one inch and 12 inches is one foot, what good is that if we don't understand that? So this morning our aim is to understand how God gives instructions. He planned, there, there's, there's three or four different things here I want us to look at. He plainly tells us what to do. That's one way. He plainly tells us. You might understand it with this statement. He gives us a direct statement. A direct statement. How do we get the authority? How do we get the standard? How do we know what to do? One way, God says, I'm going to give you a direct statement. You're familiar with the book of Genesis in chapter 6 and verse 14 where God told Noah, build thyself an ark. You see, that was a direct statement. There was no misunderstanding from God and from Noah 
of what he wanted him to do. God said, build thyself an ark. It's that simple, isn't it? You go on in the book of Genesis in chapter 12 and verse 1. He told Abraham, get thee out of this country. Go from where you are right now. There was no misunderstanding of what God wanted Abraham to do, was there? He says, go, and he says, to a place that I will tell you, I will show you. It was a direct statement. You go into the book of Exodus in chapter 20, in verses 1 through 16, you're very familiar with the Ten Commandments. Every one of those are a direct statement, a direct command. So you take all those things in the Old Testament, how God has always operated. This is your standard. This is what I want you to do. And this is how you're going to do what I tell you to do because I'm going to tell you this in a direct way. There's no misunderstanding, is there? How does God give instructions? He gives it through a direct command, a direct statement. Now, let's look at some uh, New Testament things. You take and go into the book of Mark in chapter 16, in verse 15. <clears throat> Notice what the Bible says with me there. It says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, what's that direct statement? He says what? Go preach the gospel to every creature, right? Exactly, a direct command. Is there misunderstanding what God wants us to do? No, there's not. Should not be. But notice in verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. A direct statement, isn't it? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Is there any misunderstanding on what God wants us to do? There's not, is it? So it's a direct command. This is what you do, and he told us exactly what he wanted us to do. You see, you go, you're very familiar with Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. The men and brethren said it there in verse 37. What shall we do to be saved? And Peter tells them in verse 38 what? Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Is there any misunderstanding of what they should do? No, there's not. There's a direct statement. God gives his instructions sometimes through direct commands. And we're, we're, it's very simple to figure out. Where the problem comes in is when man says, well, I don't think that's what God meant. How can you say that when there's a direct command? You can't say it and be truthful with it. But you know, also... As Paul was writing in 1 Corinthians in chapter uh, 11 in verse 4, or 24 rather. When you go there, notice what, what the Bible says to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 24. He says, and when we had given thanks, thanks, he break it and said. This is Paul writing and recalling the Lord's Supper here. 
says, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, for you, this do what? In remembrance of me. Now, that's a direct statement, isn't it? He says, why do we, why do we take the Lord's Supper? <clears throat> we do it in remembrance of Christ. It's a direct statement, isn't it? Why do we take the Lord? We're going to talk a little more later on about the, the Lord's Supper. And why we do it upon the first day of each week. And not just occasionally. But get this, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's what? A direct statement. There's no question of what the Lord wants you children to do for your parents. Children, obey your parents. It's a direct statement. How do we get instruction from God? Sometimes by a direct statement. Now, let's move on. The second thing is he shows how someone else did it. You might better understand this as, a, as the uh, vocabulary of using the, the, the words approved example. He provides an approved example. Now go with me to the book of Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 9. Now for you to fully understand this, you're really going to have to watch these scriptures. Okay, So Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9 says to us the, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. So not only does God give us his instructions through a direct command, but he also gives his instructions off by showing how someone else did it. And he shows his approval for those. Paul writes that in Philippians 4 and verse 9. Now go back to the book of Acts in chapter 20 and verse 7. Acts 20 and verse 7. Now notice this. Told you we were going to talk a little bit more about the Lord's Supper. And upon the first day of the week. First day of the week's what? Monday? Is that right? No. First day of the week. Today, isn't it? Sunday. Now, only one Sunday out, or one week out of the month has a first day, right? No, every what? Week has a first day, which is Sunday. Now, notice what he says here in first, or Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came to, together, or when they were all separated. No, it says what? When they came together. Right? They came together. To break bread, Paul preached unto them 
ready to depart on the morrow and continued his speech unto midnight. Now, let's think about this for a minute. Let's examine it. God shows sometimes his directions through how someone else did it. He provides an approved example. And we've got it right here. Paul is on his first missionary journey and he's getting ready to go and, and move on. And Paul recognizes the need that he needs to worship. There's some important things we need to notice here. Paul sees and knows the need and his commitment that he has to worship together with the saints. Okay, he's going on a trip. And he recognizes the need that it says upon the first day of the week that they came together. And Paul stays here so he could worship. You notice back in verse 6, it says, When we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came to the of Troas in five days, we were abode there seven days. Why did Paul abode for seven days? So Because he, he knew that he couldn't make that trip without having to miss, miss worship. And that's an important thing for us today. But he says, when the disciples came together and break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to part on the morrow, and continued his speech unto day. Breaking bread. Paul understood that he needed to worship all the acts of worship, not just the Lord's Supper, but he needed to worship with the saints. Now he's engaged in a worship with these people. If this was not an approved example, I can promise you that Paul would have called them out in the very moment and said, this ain't right. We're not doing it on the right day or we're not doing it in the right hour. You see, the Bible doesn't specify the hour that we partake of the Lord's Supper. That's why some will take it in the beginning of their service. Some will take it at the end. But God gives, again, his directions through an approved example. Now, there are some things in the Bible that God does not approve. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 2, where Peter and his his uh, problem there that he had with, with being two-faced, you could call one, hey, God did not approve that. When you go into the book of, of, of Acts and you read of Ananias and Sapphira, uh, there in Acts chapter 5, God did not approve of their lying and, and, and their, their giving and those types of things. In 1 Corinthians in, in chapter 5, in the, in the church of Corinth, it did not approve of the man's sexual immorality that he was engaged in, and Paul calls that out, doesn't he? So there are things throughout the Bible that God says, okay, I approve of this, and he has men like Paul in place to call it if it's not approved. And that's where we get our information and our instruction from. Now the third thing. So we have thus far a direct statement. We have God shows us his instructions through a direct statement, through things that are approved example. And the third thing being, he implies something in Scripture. 
We might know it as necessary inference, to infer something. What does inference mean or implication? What that means is that a reader, it is necessary for a reader to be forced to make a conclusion by the things that are given in a statement. For example, if I told my child to go to the refrigerator and get me a popsicle, I said, Abigail, go get me a popsicle out of the refrigerator. She would have to infer and make a necessary inference that, okay, I've got to get up. I've got to walk. I've got to find my way to the kitchen. I've got to open the freezer door. And then if she thinks about it, she'll say, what kind do you want? And she must get it and walk back. I did not have to say all those things. Those things are inferred by the command or the statement that I gave her. So I want you to pay attention as we study this part. In the book of Matthew in chapter 3, in verse 16. Notice what the Bible says. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Hmm. Necessary inference. The thing here is, this is Jesus' baptism. And it says that Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway, or one version puts it as Jesus came up immediately out of the water. Now, what's the necessary inference here? The necessary inference is, is that Jesus, to come up out of the water, had to do what? Go down into the water. Now, when he went down into the water, we can infer that when he says he came up out of the water, that he came up and he walked back out onto land. That's just necessary. It doesn't say all that. But we, we have necessary inference in those things to know that. Now, another example. Go to the book of Acts in chapter 8. You're very familiar with this passage, the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip is called to him, the preacher Philip. <coughs> In verse 26, the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south into the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And Philip immediately, he went and rose, and he went and done what he was told to do. There was a great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who was on her way back from Jerusalem. And they were sitting in this chariot, uh, this Ethiopian eunuch, and, and there was reading from the Isaiah, Isaiah's prophet. 
And Philip ran thither to him. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I accept some man guide me? And he desired Philip they should guide him. And, and, and he got to come up and sit with him in the place of the scripture where you read. There was reading of, of the prophet there, Isaiah, of our Lord. And being coming to the slaughter as a lamb and, and done before his shear. And he opened not his mouth and his crucifixion. And he says in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And, and who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. Now notice what in verse 34. The eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of myself or, or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him what? Jesus, the gospel of Christ. Now you go back to the beginning of our lesson. What is our standard? The gospel of Christ. Philip was preaching it to the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, notice this, verse 36. As the eunuch and Philip went on their way, he says, as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water. Where? Both down into the water. Both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. You know, that necessary inference... You know, how, how, did, how did he even know, you know, minutes later, before, he didn't even know about baptism. How did he know? Because Philip. Same thing in that necessary inference. One says, well, all he, all he had to do was just believe. No. We have to go back to the scripture and say that Philip taught him Jesus, which is the gospel, and then we can make the same necessary inference that he had to go down into the water and that there was much water there. And we can go to other examples in the Bible to where they were baptized and go study the word baptism, to be baptizo, to being a full submersion. You see, there's a little more to things when just what's on the surface when we read it. And we need to quit, as, as people of the world today, we need to quit just reading things just for the face value and dig in and study and find out what it really means because your denominational people are just giving you the face value. And sometimes they're not even giving you that. And it's leading people to believe that baptism is not uh, uh, necessary for salvation. And it's leading people to believe that baptism is not a full submersion in the watery grave of baptism when we can read things as they came up out of the water. You see, there are necessary inferences in those things. So let me say this. You see, these are everyday rules of communication. 
There are principles that govern how we communicate with others. Just for a moment, I want you to take God and spiritual out of this whole thought process. We use these in everyday communication. As I gave an example a while ago of telling one of my children. You as a parent, if you tell your children, or maybe you're, you're, we're working and you have someone who's working for you, and they say, go and get a two-before. That's a direct command. But there also has to be some necessary inference in there to say, oh, I've got to leave from where I am. I've got to walk and find a two-before. He didn't have to say, go get one and bring it to me. Because we inferred that. We said, oh, we know. So all throughout the Bible, we can make these necessary inferences in studying and knowing what God's authority and instructions are for us. What is specific authority? Specific authority is when God commands an act. The means of obeying it is specified. As we mentioned earlier, God specified to Noah to build him an ark And he also specified what? What wood to build it out of. He gave him those things. How tall, how long, how wide. He gave him all those things. Now the one thing he didn't say, he didn't say what tools to use, did he? Noah had to make a necessary inference and say, oh, I've got to have something to knock these things around with or to cut these things with or or to to whatever. God gave his specifics. He says build him an ark. God specified to Naaman, if you remember, in 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 10, to go dip seven times in in the Jordan. Naaman had a problem with that. And it was not until the seventh time that he was dipped and he dipped himself in there that his leprosy came clean. And it is not until you are baptized in the blood of Christ that you have been baptized for forgiveness of your sins. And you have to understand that and make these inferences and understand the direct commands and authority of what the Bible is saying to us today. Guess what? Your soul depends upon it. Where you live eternally depends upon whether you make the right necessary inference or whether you hear the direct command the right way and whether you obey it the right way. Your soul's eternal eternal place of existing depends upon that. You see, he specified baptism. He specified what baptism was to be. In the book of Matthew in chapter 28, you're very familiar with this passage. Go ye therefore and teach, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Doing what? Teaching them to observe all things in which I have commanded you. Sometimes people say, well, we don't, we don't have any instructions on baptism or what we say at baptism. Yes, we do. Baptizing in what? The name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You see, we've got to understand those things. Those are the correct commands. 
when it comes to the, to the Lord's Supper, he specified unleavened bread and he specified fruit of the vine and not wine. You see, we've got to understand that. He specified those things. Fruit of the vine and unleavened bread. We can't have Mountain Dew if up here. We can't have donuts as much as I love them, especially the cream filled That little white stuff in there, not that yellow, doughy stuff, that white stuff. We can't have it. He specified unleavened bread. And by approved example, we see throughout the Bible that the early Christians, as we read just a moment ago in Acts 20 and verse 7, met upon Monday to take the Lord's Supper, right? No. They met on the first day of the week, which was Sunday, and we still have Sundays today because that's why we're here. And when you go back and look in Scripture, they met every Sunday and not just twice, two or three times a year to take the Lord's Supper, as many will teach. That's what the Scripture says. This is not something Matthew's making up. This is what the Bible says. But now when you talk about specific authority, you have to talk about generic authority. Generic authority is when God commands an act, but the means of obeying it is not specified. While God specified for Noah to build an ark and to build it out of gopher wood and specified the length and the width and the height and all these things, the door and the window, the tools were not. While Jesus specified baptism and how to do it, the place to baptize is not specified. You can be baptized in a creek, be baptized in a river, a swimming pool. As long as there is water and much water and you are fully submerged, you can baptize anybody anywhere. While the elements of the Lord's Supper are specified, talking about generic authority, we have specific authority, unleavened bread and fruit of the vine. On the first day of the week, we have approved authority. The hour of the day is not. So why is this important as we close? Why is understanding all of what I've said this morning important? Because we want to respect God as the one who has the authority to give us instructions. You see, that sums it all up. We want to respect God's instructions and much of the division in the religious world today is due to people's failure to apply the basic principles of communication to God's Word. Now these communication principles that I've laid out this morning, the direct statements and, and necessary inference and proved examples, that's things we use in everyday language. And when we fail to use those in communication in God's word, we fail to get the true instruction from God. God's given us instructions in his divine word. 
You can study, you can understand, and you can obey. That's your decision this morning. Am I going to give in to the authority of Jesus Christ and the gospel? That's the decision you have to make. Whether it needs to be confessing sin and repenting and coming back to the Lord's church and, and being back in the right relationship with God and letting us pray with you, that's, that's one thing. But maybe you need to be baptized into the Lord's church. You know, when one is baptized, he's just not baptized just to say, oh, I'm baptized. When one is baptized, he is baptized into the body of Christ. He's baptized just like the Ethiopian eunuch was and was added to the body of Christ, which is the church, and Christ is the head of the church. When one is baptized. But one has to be baptized. Now, it's just for, you can't be in the church without being baptized. It's just like this morning when you drove to this parking lot. You did everything you needed to do to come to this building. But you never came into this building if you never got out of your car or you never came through the front doors. You can't go into Christ unless you're baptized. You see, it's that simple. This morning, maybe that's what your need is. And maybe we can help you. We can study. Maybe you have questions about what I said this morning. I'll be glad to sit down and study with you. I'll be glad to talk with you to help you find the truth, to assure your place in heaven. I can promise you, folks, Hebrews 9, 27 says we're all going to die. <laughs> There's no way around it. We're all going to die. This old body's going to give out one day on Matthew. Matthew's going to take his last breath. Matthew's going to leave this old world. And it's up to me to make sure that when I leave this world that I can go to heaven. That's where I want to go. And I know you want to go there. If you didn't, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> it's too pretty of a day. This morning, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand and as we sing.